0: Yo, yeah, that's right, this is a podcast no one can deny, it's not with a bang, we're all gonna die.
1: I have a dream, I had the best words, not with a bang, world, world, world war 3, not with a bang, under the doctrine of multiculturalism, go back where you came from,
0: not with a bang. The arc of the moral universe is long, but
1: nuclear holocaust. What? Retreat from the world.
0: Alternative facts. Alternative
1: facts. Retreat Knocked from the, the world. How? The Those f- who forget history are going to be fine.
0: Alternative facts. That is no such thing. with a bang. What? I am the coming The despair of worlds.
1: Retreat from the world.
0: One. Two. World War III.
1: Knocked I two.
0: I wish I was Knocked dead. The Welcome to and other episode of Not with a Bang, your audio guide to the end of the world. Uh, now, my name is uh, Lance Turnbull, uh, Turnbull. Lance Turnbull, and joining me as usual is Pat McCaffrey.
2: Hello. Well, uh, just, you know, this week when I thought the world was too dark a place to go on, with, you know, North Korea testing missiles on a frighteningly regular basis, France now in danger of electing a far-right nationalist as leader, and protests erupting all across Brazil, a shard of light came through the gloom when I discovered the other night the 23-year-old singer-thing and dream Titanic Harry Styles is touring in November, and tickets go on sale on May 5,
0: so I think it's just safer if I don't sleep until then, because I do not want to miss out. <laughs> And joining us, not as usual, is Lindsay Moderum.
1: Oh, good day, champion. How are you going?
0: Great. And Millie Holton is still not returning Lance's phone calls, uh,
2: but I actually spoke to her yesterday and she's fine. She just needs some space from Lance right now. Leave her alone. I just want to talk. Well, in anticipation of marking his first 100 days as president, which will in fact, fun fact, be commemorated with a party that will definitely be bigger than the 100 days party that any other president in history has ever had, Trump has decided to release his tax plan, not, I stress, release his tax returns. They remain locked in a gold vault, not, I stress, a vault filled with gold, just a vault made from gold containing his tax returns, which is actually obviously just a stack of thousands of pages with words. I don't pay any fucking taxes, you fucking idiots. Suck my dick, scrawled on every page. It took him a lot of time to do that, but it was worth it. Oh, yeah, totally. (laughs) Totally. Just that's, in fact, that's every executive order just finishes like that. (laughs) (laughs) But the plan, broadly speaking, aims to simplify the tax system by reducing the number of deductions individuals and companies can claim, reduces taxes across the board, simplifies the number of tax brackets that individuals and companies fall into... And so given how much detail an overhaul of the tax system involves, you know, what does this plan actually look like? Well, according to the Australian Financial Review, you know, you go to a business paper when you want details. Uh, The Trump administration, quote, unveiled the broad tax principles in a one-page document and press briefing. What? One page? What? One fucking page. One page is not a plan. I put more effort into my Year Ten essay plan for Miss Marple and the Garden No Nazi. I was watching a lot of Miss Marple at the time. That's not the point. But one page. That's not. That's not a plan. Uh, Gary Cohn and Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin, which by the way is exactly how a Munchkin spells their name to the cops when getting done for a DUI. You can't arrest me. I'm from. I'm from the fucking lollipop guild. Blah. Uh, <laughs> They I cannot tell you how much research went into that joke. They, they uh, <laughs> a lot of late nights at police stations. Uh, they released the plan, this one-page plan, and then the uh, Financial Review went on to note that, "quote, the broad brush plan omitted key details."
1: <laughs> no shit,
2: it omitted key details. It's a fucking page long. I don't think you can fit an entire plan to overhaul a tax system in a page. And you want to know what details were omitted? Well, they just included small little things like, quote, the impact on the budget, how it would be paid for, the income tax threshold that the proposed three personal tax rates of 10 25 and 35% would kick in. <laughs> so, so when you say it omitted key details, what they actually meant was it omitted
0: all of the relevant details. Oh, well, you don't want numbers messing up your your tax document. It's too confusing. Yeah, well, exactly. He's he's a big picture guy.
2: You know, he's blue sky <laughs> thinking. Because that's why I mean. I feel like this page, I want to know what's actually on it, because I feel like there's a good chance it's just a drawing of Trump sitting in a tree making out with a sexy lady called tax system. <laughs> like, oh. <laughs> <sighs> because one big concern when we talk about details that are missing is the impact that this plan will have on the federal budget position and that budget position is currently lying in the fetal position in the shower for the last four decades muttering incoherently about you promise that this year this year you will get back into the black Um, but apparently to minimize the chance of a blowout in the deficit republicans will use something called dynamic scoring which is actually the same system they used for synchronized diving in the olympics but dynamic scoring as i understand it by which i mean as I do not understand it. I don't understand it at all. I tried to understand it, but I just do not get economics. I'm sorry. But basically, as I understand it, dynamic scoring involves predicting, i.e. guessing, what economic growth will be and factoring into those predictions your best guesses of the new revenue you'll get as a result of the tax cuts. So basically, the Republicans will guess how much more money the economy will get as a result of the cuts to predict that the deficit won't blow out. Oh, that's how they've
0: been doing it since Reagan. That seems so dodgy, though. Like, like that shouldn't be how the system works. No, that's pretty much how it works. If you cut taxes for the rich, everything gets better, because then rich people have more money, and then there's more good, and then everything works better, and then it's fine. Pat, okay?
1: It's what God wanted (laughs) when he ordained America.
0: I get the impression, Lance, that you've done
2: an economics degree that you're not telling me about. Is that how? (laughs) Now I feel like I understand. I just Um, like to pull it out occasionally. Surprise, everybody. (laughs) Party trick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, because you say cutting taxes for the rich, the big takeaway seems to be that the tax plan does favour higher income earners rather than the middle America racists that elected Trump in the first place. But some media have noted that... Abolishing the ALT, eliminating death duties, and slashing the tax for pass-through businesses such as Mr. Trump's family real estate business mean the President and his children could personally benefit from such changes. Huh. How about that? Trump has designed a tax plan that might actually just be designed to benefit him and his imp brethren. What a surprise! Who is surprised? Fewer people than should be. Who benefits from these tax changes? Fewer people than should be. Who is the lead singer of Adam and the Ants? Adam Ants, the clue's in the name.
0: Sorry, I'm getting distracted now. Who
2: is disappointed,
0: fewer people than should be. I think it's good. He's a, he's a family man, and he's looking after his kids. Good on him. That's the kind of man I want as president. Mm. Yeah. Whenever I hear the word family, I just my vote and pen gets itchy.
2: Oh, okay, right. I think that's definitely how they run it. It's, it's sort of like, it's reminding me, like, is it The Sopranos, where it's all about the family? Like, it, it feels slightly, <laughs> like he, slightly like he's a mob boss.
0: <laughs> yeah. He looks the part.
2: Yeah, or I can definitely imagine him just, like, sitting in a chair covered in cocaine. Just, like, say hello to my little friend.
1: But on the plus side, cocaine can lead to heart attacks.
0: <laughs> See, kids? Do drugs. <laughs>
1: With
0: a and now it's time for... Putin Watch 2017.
1: Putin Watch. And by that I don't mean his snappy collection of Rolexes. Uh, Here in the hypocritical, profligate, actually just as bad as Russia, democracy doesn't work anyway, or you think we're so innocent, West, we hear a lot about Russian interference with US politics, where old mate Putin's been hiring hackers and trolls to disseminate fake news, as well as allegedly cuddling up to staff in the Trump administration. But what has Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin, aka the Poot, been up to in Europe? No, (laughs) not that Europe, the one you know and love so well, I mean the one we don't pay any attention to, Eastern Europe. Well, uh, earlier in the year it came out that Montenegro, a country that you've sort of heard of but didn't know was a country, police foiled a plot by a gang of Serbian nationalists to assassinate the Montenegrin Prime Minister. They had allegedly been trained and armed by Russian operatives. Milo Djukanovic, the currently alive at the time of recording Prime Minister of Montenegro, (coughs) has pro-Western leanings and hopes for his country to join NATO as well as the EU. Oh, that's nice.
0: Now, I heard a slot just opened up in the EU.
1: The plan was to kill the Prime Minister and replace him with a pro-Russian government. After years of gentle nudging by the Kremlin that they should really not join NATO because that is, like, so mean, you guys. NATO, of course, being the nice club of good countries that have all agreed that if one of them gets punched by a naughty country, then all the other good countries will punch the naughty country back. Russia naturally claimed the reported assassination attempt was all bullshit made up by the mean, awful, terrible, horrible EU to smear sweet, gentle Vladimir's good name. His other good name being, of course, The Poot.
2: <laughs> At this point, can you actually smear Vladimir Putin's good name? I mean, like, you know, in order to sue for defamation, you have to have a reputation to defend, and I'm not sure... <laughs> I'm not sure he would have a leg to stand on. Um. <laughs>
1: Well, uh, another non-American country that's coped a Putin recently is Macedonia, where the pro-Russian VMRO party stormed the parliament and started a full-blown punch-on over the election of the new speaker, an ethnic Albanian from the pro-democracy, pro-West coalition currently running the parliament. NATO and the EU condemned the violence, saying that discussions rather than all-out slap fights tend to be more conducive to parliamentary democracy. But Russia said the EU's response proved that they are trying to pull Macedonia into their orbit. (laughs) And the orbit
0: metaphor is apt because as the UK announced to the world last year, the European Union is a black hole that sucks up all the decent paying jobs for hard-working, wholesome white people and replaces them with Polish refugees from Syria who sit around on unemployment benefits while plotting terrorist attacks from behind the deli counter at a supermarket near you. And they're ruining the NHS.
2: (laughs) I mean, you're, you're talking about Macedonia and Montenegro, and you know, I wish I could care, but they sound a long way away. You know, <laughs> <laughs> they sound a long way away from me, and you know, I'd, I've never, I've never met a Macedonian or a Monten... i don't even know how to say it. I, I thought, I thought until this morning, I thought Montenegro was like an ice cream flavor. I look, I yeah, it's a long way. away. Well, now away. I'm
1: afraid that I've been getting it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think
2: I had a Montenegro. That was a drink, isn't it? I'm on to. Monte- no, it's a Negroni. <laughs> sorry. I get
0: confused. Delicious. Mm. Yeah, they're a delicious country. Mm. They're a delicious people. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> to chemical attack news now. Uh, on the last episode, we talked about how the Russia backed Syrian government had used sarin gas on its own citizens. But this week's chemical warfare news is even sillier. <laughs> Uh, Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny was hospitalised after copping a burning wet load in the eyeball launched by an unidentified man on Thursday. The liquid in question was a green antiseptic dye known as Zelyonka, in case that wasn't obvious, which Navalny described as really unpleasant.
1: It seems that Putin has become concerned about the risks of facial infections among opposition activists and has taken to extreme measures to prevent them. <laughs>
0: Uh, This is the second time in a month that Navalny has copped such a load, the first incident having occurred when he stopped to shake a fan's hand and instead was left shaking his head after being instead greeted by a Putin thug who sprayed him in the face with a semi-permanent green dye.
1: Now, this might sound extreme, but it actually represents a significant improvement to the welfare of Russian opposition leaders, who are more accustomed to being shot in the face with bullets than (laughs) Zelionka. Natalia Fyodorovna, an activist for opposition party Yabloka, was blinded in a similar die attack. But uh, as with Navalny, she was probably mostly relieved, given that she's previously had her apartment windows shot out and a personalised coffin delivered straight to her doorstep by some concerned citizens. <laughs> Putin thugs are thoughtful like that, they're always thinking ahead. <laughs> Can I also
2: just say as well, that if you were Alexei Navalny, and you had to take a wet load to the face... You'd almost be glad that it's die because we know what Russia's policy on homosexuality is, right? <laughs> if there's a good kind of load to take to the face, it's probably green dye.
1: Yes, at least that one can't land you in jail. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, obviously, everything else Alexei Navalny does will land him in jail eventually, but yes. the green dye thing won't. <clears throat>
0: Yes, but it hasn't worked out to plan as opposition politicians have started wearing the green dye as a badge of honour, with protesters in Moscow chanting, You won't pour Zeljonga over us! Which uh, presumably (laughs) sounded snappier in Russian.
2: (laughs) Yeah, hopefully that rhymes in Russian.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, how do the Russians feel about all of this? Well, according to uh, Gallup polling... Putin's popularity is steady at eighty-one percent, which sounds like a lot, but you do have to take into account the circumstances under which that data is acquired. So, you know, imagine this. A disembodied voice calls up Russian citizens in their homes and asks, Hey, do you like Putin?
0: In that accent as well. <laughs> yeah.
2: In that accent of <laughs> was
1: course, that, yes. Was that, yeah,
2: was, was, that uh, was that Michael Caine in some kind <laughs> 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 Some kind of Northern England gangster <laughs>
1: So then your poll respondent will experience an awkward silence before a small red dot appears in the middle of their chest. After another brief pause, all but 19% of Russians tend to answer, yes, yes, I do like Putin, A++, 10 out of 10 would not overthrow. So I think the real lesson here is that apparently one in five Russians has balls of steel. (laughs)
2: Well, I mean, there are also two alternatives to that. Uh, the first is that Russians are drinking a lot more vodka than even we thought possible. <laughs> so when they get asked whether they like Putin, you know, they're going to say yes because they're just happy drunks. Uh, <laughs> the other, in fact, that's not true. Russians are sad drunks. If you've ever read Russian literature, you know that. Um, the other alternative, of course, is maybe this polling is just all... Complete bullshit. Uh, maybe that number is completely made up. They don't ask Russians anything and they just they just invent a number that they think sounds potentially plausible. <laughs> there is always that option, but I'm sure I'm sure you're right, Lindsay. I'm sure it's the first one. <laughs> Not with a bang.
0: Back to regular Europe now, where France is preparing to elect <laughs> a fresh young face to the presidency. Back to the good Europe. <laughs> <laughs> the one we know about. <laughs> now I care. <laughs> um, where France is preparing to elect a fresh young face to the presidency or a ripe mature face to the dictatorship <laughs> vying for the coveted role of uh, as I believe it is pronounced Presidente de la Republique uh, independent centrist candidate Emmanuel Macron and Marine Le Pen heir to the fascist cabal National Front Le Pen, who has led the band of right-wing reactionaries since she took over from her court-confirmed fascist father in 2011, hopes to ride the wave that buoyed Brexit battler Nigel Farage and potentially treasonous Twitter czar Trump. <laughs> Le Pen has vowed to pull France out of NATO and the European Union if elected, and Putin is putting money into her campaign. <laughs> the question becomes, we've lost America, the UK is going to shit, can the world stand to lose Europe as well? Well, the day after she qualified for the second and final round of the election, Le Pen announced that she would temporarily step down as the leader of the National Front, saying, The President of the Republic is the President of all the French people. They must bring them all together. By which she meant that she would be cynically attempting to appeal to the slightly less fascist portion of the electorate for two weeks until she is either elected president or loses and goes right back where she came from to the National Front. Le Pen's campaign has banned 34 media outlets from covering her, including Agents france Presse, as I believe it's pronounced, uh, Le Monde, and uh, France 24. I'm there.
2: I'm there. I'm on the streets of Paris. Oh, I can smell croissant and garlic. Mm. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, so banning uh, media outlets is pretty Trumpy. Uh, and speaking of things that sound pretty Trumpy, Donald Trump has endorsed Le Pen, which to the outsider might sound like a good thing, But it's actually not great for her, since although some French people like her a lot, 84% of French people wanted Clinton to win, and only 11% preferred Trump. So uh, they have very distinct tastes in their nationalism.
2: Yeah, that's it. They like nationalism, just as long as it's French nationalism. They don't like other people trying to do nationalism. That's not how nationalism works.
1: Macron, in contrast, is a former Socialist Party member, senior public servant and one-time investment banker who takes no strong position on anything, but perfectly symbolises the liberal democratic status quo that, like, we really just need to cling on to right now, man. So, although he's never held public office, the honorary establishment inductee has been endorsed by figures as boring as Barack Obama and Angela Merkel. But uh, think not, however, that Macron is without the requisite scandal in a country where marital and or extramarital intrigue are not legally required to run for the presidency, but are certainly encouraged by convention. Macron satisfies to an uncomfortable degree. He met his wife, Brigitte Trogneau. Yes, I know what you're thinking. She is indeed from the famous chocolate pudding producing Trogneau family at high school when he was 15. Oh, young love. How sweet. Yes. 39 and married at the time. She was his French teacher. The couple insist that nothing untoward happened while Macron was underage, but others, up to and including all people, disagree.
0: (laughs) Uh, Meanwhile, the young French millennial youths have taken to social media using the hashtag 7th of May without me, except in French because they speak that. Uh, The whippersnappers exclaimed that they are not going to vote because they perceive both candidates to be equally unacceptable a time-tested protest method that has resulted in the current utopia we live in now. Bernie Sanders is president, the EU is an anarcho-syndicalist commune, and the Australian Greens have fixed gay marriage, climate change, and refugees. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful world.
2: Yeah. Well, just on that, the choice that French voters have, I do remember reading an article uh, where the journalist had said, quote, French voters face a choice between the unpalatable and the unacceptable. (laughs)
1: It's <laughs> sort
2: of like saying... <coughs> that's fantastic. That's sort of like saying, great, well, uh, this evening, uh, your meal tonight, you have a choice between a watermelon and raw beef stew served on a live chicken or a literal steaming pile of shit. <laughs> like like neither of those candidates are great. I guess I'm going to have to go with unpalatable. I'm going to have to force down the watermelon and war beef stew and just hope that I can get around the live chicken.
1: I feel like the rest of the world is about to get a glowing endorsement of the Australian policy of compulsory voting in France. <laughs>
0: yeah. I don't think you
2: could force the French to vote even if they even if you even no, if No, I think the there would be riots it. in the nah, streets. Yeah. yeah. You, you, <laughs> can't force, you can't force me to vote. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna sit here wearing a beret eating a baguette drinking red wine talking about poetry that's what French people do right that's
1: that's right that's not a
2: that's not a racial stereotype I'm running with is it no it's of
1: fine. course not it's not a racial stereotype it's a cultural stereotype oh, and those right, are okay. fine
0: <laughs> yeah yeah not with a bang. you're your guide to the end of the world That's the end of this episode. Uh, We will be back with another episode with Millie. I feel like like we want to be careful about promising that, Lance. (laughs) She promised.
2: Yeah, okay. Okay.
0: You have anything to plug, Pat? Nah. Cool. I just don't at the moment. Sorry. Fair enough. Actually, I'm not sorry about that. Follow us on the social medias. Uh, We're on Facebook, Twitter. uh, We're on Instagram, where I have been cutting out some of the funny jokes from the show and putting them in image format. So, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, God, these jokes are good, but I wish I could consume them in a visual manner instead of an audio manner. Just take
2: acid. Take acid before you listen, and then you'll see the jokes.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That or follow us on Instagram and or take acid, follow us on Instagram and mm. it's going to blow your mind. Yep. And please rate us on iTunes. Please do it. I need help. Because that'd be nice. It's really easy. Just do it. Just do it. And that's that's the show. We'll be back later in the week with more jokes. Cool. Bye.